This is CNT Talk. Every week, two friends debate the issues of the ages as we agree to disagree. It's never politically correct, but it's always entertaining. Join us tonight so you can sound knowledgeable at work tomorrow. We're smacking you upside the head with a hammer of truth. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. We are back together. I know it was uh, supposed to be Saturday night, but there were scheduling conflicts and it didn't happen. So you got a little bit of me, but now you're going to get both of us. Well, I'll be more Tony tonight. So we'll, I don't know. <laughs> we'll just have to see. Maybe I won't say anything. Uh, if you don't say anything, then I'm going to have to say it for you because uh, I have I have much to say and not most of it good. So I actually, it's funny because I'm, I'm in the mood to have a few rants as well. There's, there's just, it's like a fire hose right now. All of the insanity that's just pouring forth from our current administration. Uh, so where do you want to start? Do you want to start with, um, South of the border? Do you want to start with the one piece of legislation, which does nothing in its claim to do other than line the pockets of greedy or the other piece of legislation, the, that might be the most, most overreaching the devil's broom constitutional uh hr1 since maybe the alien sedition acts uh it's i like quote i like quote senator mike lee uh i i don't agree with a single word in this including ifs ands buts or commas and it comes from the devil and i i read something today so let's start with that let's start with hr1 if you're not familiar with hr1 uh, you're going to get very familiar. You're going to get it good and hard and you're going to like it and don't care that you don't like it because somebody said today, 2016 may have been the last legitimate election in this country. You agree with that statement? If HR one passes, I think so. Absolutely. Okay. I'm not even sure whether, well, okay. Yeah. 2016. Um, yeah. HR one is, well, again, most people are never going to learn about this nope. because it's not reported. In fact, our friend who I have a few things to say about him, <laughs> um, he he has summarized this because he so this is this is what fascinates me. So you have people and it's not just including him um, who, on the one hand, will put under the microscope any statement by pick your conservative, certainly Donald Trump, right? And they'll write thousands of words, parsing everything and pointing out that this is an error and this isn't quite accurate. Now, look, I have no objection to that. Okay. But what I do object to is the same people who then claim to be these sort of honest brokers who, who write things about HR one, where they, they literally parrot the, the summary, right? The glowing summary that emanates from whoever the current regime is about what this is designed to do is protect the rights of all Americans to vote. And look, that's all we need to know, right? It's awesome. Without sure. actually examining the incredible, I mean, I'm talking the overreach that is in this bill, and we're going to get into this, is astonishing and how radical this is, how unconstitutional this is. And yet these people can't be bothered to even examine the substance of what they're attempting to do. It's just, oh, this is great. It's great. It's going to expand voting rights. It's going to allow. Um, no, no, that's not what it's going to do. And the media, of course, and I want to talk about the media later because our, our we banged on this, but our garbage media has hit 
I think a new low, which is almost impossible. They've they've already plumbed the depths of you know the Laurentian abyss, and they're somehow going further. But so why don't you start, Chad, and explain to people some of the things, just some of the things that are packed into this HR one bill. So I'm gonna I'm gonna repeat what a what a teacher had in high school said. You you've hit bottom so hard that you're now tunneling under the ground. You're so screwed because you can't even get back up to the surface. HR1, um, I think it is every leftist progressive's dream for this to happen. So it requires 15-day pre-voting and 10-day post-vote day just because. Right. Uh, Now, catch that. Okay, the pre-voting has been going on. And I think that's a bad idea as it is. Uh, But 10 days, up to 10 days after an election, this bill would mandate that if somebody shows up, mails something in, says, I'm still voting for my chosen candidate, that's going to count. Can you imagine the chaos that that, and again, all of this, just the invitation to fraud is now so sweeping. So it's bad enough in this past election that we had certain uh, Supreme Courts cough, Pennsylvania being among them, who decided, you know what, even though our state election law does not permit after the fact voting, well, we don't really like that. And since we're a super legislature, we're just going to change it. It's going to be three days now. But remember, that was at least on a state by state basis, the corruption, right? The meddling, right? right. Now we have the the engineers at the federal level, the Democrats saying, we're taking this all over. We're not even going to permit the states to make their own rules. We're mandating 10 days after you still have to count votes. Oh, what could possibly go wrong, Chad? I, I, I can't even think of anything that might might be problematic about that. Well, let me, I think it's best if we go straight to the source of all stupidity, and that's PolitiFact. <laughs> they have decided that we're going to tackle these facts or misconceptions about HR1. Nationwide mail-in voting, okay? They claim that that statement lacks context. Okay, here's their context. This bill does not mandate voting by mail, okay? But it aims to make it easier for voters to cast ballots by mail if they wish. I see very little distinction there because if you can vote by mail, it doesn't require it, but it doesn't keep you from doing it. Well, and again, so it expands it. And we've already talked about the fact that the mail-in voting that occurred in this past election, no safeguards, open invitation to fraud for a whole variety of reasons. But what's packaged into this bill is not just further encouraging and increasing mail-in voting, but written in the law, and I'm not making this up, the states are forbidden from undertaking any effort to actually determine whether these mail-in ballots are legitimate. What could you possibly mean, Tony? What are you talking about? First of all, in this bill, the states are precluded, banned from purging their voter rolls. Now, you heard that correctly. That's another one. (laughs) For instance, 
one of the problems with mass mail-in voting is if you just send it out to all of these different individuals who have changed addresses, who no longer live in the state, who have changed their precincts, whatever, that's why you have all these ballots floating around that the fraudsters are going to pick up and send in on behalf of somebody. This statute purports to federalize a prohibition that state you can't clean up those voter rolls. You can't look into whether or not that person is dead, whether that person has moved to Guam, whether that person no longer lives in your state. None of that will be permitted. Now, Chad, here's a rhetorical question. Why would any person insist on removing the ability to purge voter rolls if they weren't fundamentally interested in promoting fraud? What other possible legitimate reason could there be for that? fraud. Correct. So that's just one of the things. This also says any state that, for instance, wants to match signatures to check signatures again, not permitted to do that. Just that's, that would be bad. That's unfair. We can't have that because who knows, you know, um, if we check signatures again, all of the illegals and felons can vote. Oh, by the way, it also mandates that felons can vote. It also mandates that you can show up on the day of the election. You don't have to cast a provisional ballot. You can cast an actual ballot and that ballot can't be checked. You cannot mm. check whether or not that person is even a citizen. Mm. I mean, you think that we're overstating this. I encourage you to actually mm. look at what this says. It is unbelievable well, let's go back to politifact you you went you skipped ahead on me prohibits attempts to clean up voter rolls uh, i believe they were claiming in georgia that uh, because stacy abrams abrams lost in 2018 as a governor it's because they purged the voter rolls of people who hadn't voted in 20 years you know that was their criteria you haven't voted in 20 years you're probably either not here or you're dead oh and by the way most of the purging in Georgia was done by Democrat controlled precincts. Yeah, well, so it, it wasn't, it wasn't Nathan Bedford Forrest's heirs <laughs> riding around purging the voter rolls, but no, that's, that's just simply not going to be permitted anymore. Why would we want that? Uh, it says it legalizes limitless ballot harvesting. Now here, this is good criteria. This is good context from PolitiFact. This is misleading. Ballot harvesting isn't an official legal term. That's the first part. <laughs> it's not an official legal term, so it can't be true because it's not an official legal term. Uh, certain states have limits on how many votes somebody can bring in to bring. So if you've got an elderly community uh, nursing home and you have somebody designated to collect their absentee ballots and take them in, certain states limit how many can be turned in by any one individual. This portion of this bill would take away that limit so you would have no limits on how many you could return isn't that exactly ballot harvesting because again you just talked about we can't verify that your signature we don't know who filled out this vote and some rando just drops off a hundred of them really yeah you're supposed to believe that you knew all hundred of these people and they're all really votes because we can't check the voter registrations we can't check the signatures we can't check ID for you or anybody else, and you can just drop off 100 votes. Well, that seems not problematic at all. No, 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 no. Here's another one. Speaking of, again, try to think of a reason why this would be promoted if you weren't interested in fraud. It compels every state to ban voter ID laws. Yes. Okay, so now once again, we can have a policy debate 
I, I always have said I find this to be one of the more absurd things that the left claims that somehow obtaining a picture, a photograph of yourself is is a Herculean task. It just can't be accomplished. And we've also noted that directing that to African-Americans in general seems to be, I don't know, Chad, what's the word? Oh, yes. Racist in the assumption that that group of individuals is just incapable. They lack, as Al Campanis might say, the necessities, right? right? This isn't coming from me. This is coming from the people that purport to speak on behalf of the African-American community, who, by the way, in repeated polling on this, favor voter ID. But you see, oh, they just don't understand how infantile and incapable they are of actually functioning in society. So here's the deal. The left has always said, we don't like it. It's Jim Crow, mm -hmm. right? I think that's absurd. But what this bill does, it, it removes the debate from the democratic process and says, no state is permitted to make its own election law, to preserve ballot integrity, to ensure security. You're not allowed to do this anymore. Voter ID, gone. If you're a state government that wants this, you can't have it. Yeah. That, uh, it, it's, that, it's amazing. Well, you, you can, you need ID to get on a plane, cash a check rent a car, uh, go into a government building. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Almost anything in life now requires, go to the doctor. You need to show ID. But to vote, a fundamental right, you don't need an ID. Pshaw, pshaw. What, what do we need that? Nationwide same-day registration. This is accurate. It's automatic, <laughs> automatic registration. Yeah. Yeah. You show up to fill out a form. You're automatically registered. Just show right. up. even if you're not trying to register no. to vote. Yeah. I'm just you're automatically pay. registered. Just oh, and by the, the way, even if you're 16 years old, you're registered to vote. Even if you're because, again, this can happen with a multiplicity of government forms. Even if you're not even a citizen, you're registered to vote. And by the way, you're not allowed to check whether these people are citizens or not. That's right. that's fantastic. Right. Murderers and rapists can vote. Now, this is one of those nuanced things. This is an exaggeration, according to PolitiFact. The bill doesn't expressly mention murderers or rapists, but it does state that citizens convicted of a crime shall be allowed to vote unless they're in prison currently serving time. Right. So if you are out for some reason, for any reason, you get to vote because you're not again overriding vote. explicitly overriding numerous i think the vast majority of state laws that say if you're a felon you don't get to vote because again it seems potentially reasonable that if you've committed a violent crime you're going to forfeit certain of the rights that go along with citizenship one of them being, yeah, we're not going to reward you by allowing you to vote. Now, maybe you can be rehabilitated. Maybe you can vote down, down the line. This simply eliminates any possibility of that. We haven't even talked about the fact that this also fundamentally changes how redistricting is done. Oh, because again, they don't love that part of it. And so now, Chad, you know how redistricting is done right now. It's yeah. through the legislature, right? No, 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 no. That's not going to be permitted. We're now going to have bureaucrats, unelected, unaccountable, but I can pretty much guarantee you how those bureaucrats are going to think. They're going to redraw 
all the congressional districts. But don't worry, Chad. They are going to be studiously fair, unbiased, and follow the science, I'm sure. Well, it, it, here's what they say. Congression, congressional takeover redistricting. To your point, this is an exaggeration. Experts on redistricting said the bill states that Congress can establish the conditions states must follow in carrying out congressional redistricting, including creating independent redistricting commissions. So follow the logic here, folks. Uh-huh. I'm in Congress. I'm Chuck Schumer. And I go, huh, you know, I want to carve out this piece. I'm going to put my buddy on the commission. He's going to do that. I didn't do it. Chuck Schumer didn't do it. But Andrew Cuomo's butler's sister's cousin did. Right. They're going to do what I want. So to I do. love that, including. Yeah. So let me let me get this straight. So right now, given what we've seen flowing through the Democrat-controlled Congress, do you think that they might avail themselves of that previously unavailable opportunity to, what was the word, Chad? Create an independent commission yes. larded up with every one of their political cronies and mega donors and faculty loungers and whatever radical person that they can find. You think they might actually do that, Chad? Or do you think they're going to say, no, 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 that would be a bad idea. What we need to do is ensure that there's still some representative process that goes on here. Why would we allow somebody that's going to, I'm going to have in my back pocket, like, you know, your Chuck Schumer example. Why wouldn't we, we don't want our cat's paw running this. No. Oh, and by the way, if we do this, then we don't even have any accountability. We can tell the voters we have nothing to do with this. I didn't do it. It's just the man behind the curtain, the independent commission. And by the way, take our word, they're incredibly independent. Yes. They take their job very seriously. They would never consider acting in a partisan way. Yes. That would never happen. No, 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 never. Uh, your 16-year-old voter, voter age, uh, this is wrong. The bill states that a state must accept an individual's application to register to vote if the individual is at least 16 years old, it's called pre-registration. And in some states, it's already legal. So this would just make it nationwide. But it may not be construed to require a state to permit an individual who is under 18 years of age at the time of election for federal office to vote in the election. May be construed to require a state. But how would they check? I know. See, here's the beauty of it. Oh, no, no, no. We, we certainly don't want those 16-year-olds to vote. No. We just want them to be pre-registered so they can rock the vote yeah. in a couple of years. Oh, but don't ask them whether they're Oh, no, no. 16. Don't ask them. Don't, don't, don't check to see whether they can – don't check their date of birth. Look away. That You're not allowed to see that on the system. So, again, how would you actually prevent them from voting if they wanted to? Oh, well, you couldn't. that's right. You couldn't. It's not even possible. Uh, let's see. Regulates freedom of speech and aims to eliminate anonymous speech. This part is murkier to fact check. That's code for it's true, but we don't really <laughs> want to say that because that might give you impression that they're really trying. The bill aims to limit dark money in politics. Really? Uh, yes. Uh, you only have to disclose a donation over $10,000 to politically active nonprofits. Politically active mm. nonprofits. It all calls, also calls for online ads to be transparent, include disclaimers. Yes, you know, the fine print that nobody actually reads and is flashed on the screen for five seconds before the ad changes. Or uh, you might call them bathroom breaks. That's when you're seeing these disclaimers. Uh, yeah. Yeah. D.C. statehood. 
This is accurate. <laughs> the bill includes a finding in favor of statehood for the District of Columbia. Who knew? Who knew that was going to come out? Come on. They, they came up with a conclusion that this is okay. So if we pass a bill that is unconstitutional in its face, it's okay because we all agreed that it's okay. I'm sure the Supreme Court, in their certain way they've dealt with things recently, they'll just probably either refuse to hear it or they'll agree with it because, you know, they don't want to upset the apple cart. This is. Yeah. I mean, this goes on and on. We haven't even listed. It also, it also bans any outside election observers, you know, kind of the ones that filled out those thousand affidavits about what was going on. 2020 election for Republicans. They didn't get to. Right. So now, but see, they created some problems. So now they're going to say the only people that could possibly challenge a voter's eligibility is a local election official. Oh, Great. so that's yet again going to be the pipe hitting Philly, Milwaukee, Detroit, Fulton County. Do you think again, all these people are going to be carefully trained to make sure that all the rules are scrupulously followed? So again, every single thing in this bill, is designed intentionally and explicitly to maximize fraud, mm -hmm. to guarantee there is zero ballot integrity anywhere. Can't check the rolls. You're, there's even a provision in here that says states cannot check with other states about voter ineligibility within six months of an election. So basically, in the run-up to the presidential election, when state officials are attempting to do their job and cross-reference voter roll, not permitted, nope. not permitted Can't to do ask, don't check to see whether they're illegal. It also invalidates state laws that, for instance, which are in Pennsylvania, this is true, you have to vote in your district or precinct, right? This is yep. another way to ensure not allowed to do that either. No, no, no. You can go wherever you want. Can't be excluded. This is a travesty, but it's also exactly what you should have expected from the most moderate administration in history. They are, we said this, we talked about this. Yeah. They are in power. They are not going to allow another Donald Trump to wreck their social engineering dreams. Nope. And so, and so here's the thing. You're going to hear from people like Dr. Fia who want to spoon feed you this pabulum about how could anyone be upset about this? Again, I'm reading directly from the web, the wash, the uh, website for the federal government. It says or the it's Washington all Post, good. Right. Or the Washington Post. The New York Times says this is just an attempt to expand voting rights. Only a troglodyte could oppose that, Chad. <laughs> this is, again the most far-reaching and brazen attempt mm -hmm. to essentially overturn 200 years of how elections have been run in this country. And what it really is, is the Democrats have decided we're going to control elections from now on. We're going to prevent any safeguards. Here's the other question that I would ask any of these people. There is not another country in the world other than a full-blown banana republic that actually would have any of these provisions, the, the lack of ballot security that is guaranteed by this, you would be laughed out of any country in Europe, right? That we're always Rightly supposed so. to be modeling. Yes, right. No other country would imagine 
doing something like this. No other developed country that actually purports to have free and fair elections, but we're going to do it in the good old US of A because the Democratic Party doesn't want to lose any more elections. That would be too too sad, too bad. Um, I, I'm reminded of a quote from Churchill. When I hear all this stuff get jammed down on us and it's about fanatics and he says a fanatic is one who can't change his mind and won't change the subject and i say that because our betters self-described betters uh believe that they know what's best for us and everything they're doing is for our benefit but they never stop to think is there another opinion is there another rational reason why this shouldn't go through it's always pedal to the metal let's go full board towards this other catastrophe and just keep pushing towards it and they never ever think of the other 74 million people you're just wrong because we're right oh well they no see that's the thing they are thinking of the other 74 million people and what they're thinking is it's time for you to shut up serfs and do what we tell you they don't they're they're not going to brook any opposition to their program anymore because you've gummed up the works enough you wreckers have impeded our progress and so this will this will guarantee that you're not going to be able to do anything about it I mean, we could go on and on this also mandates millions upon millions in federal funding to to various private and public education institutions to register new voters oh and i wonder chad take a guess who do you think mm. you know the boffins at harvard who do you think by the way harvard with their whatever 80 million billion dollar endowment they need some more money yes. for a campus vote coordinator to get out all of the you know the libertarians right yep. the buckley vote that's who they're going to be getting, oh yeah definitely. right that's what they're looking for they they have nothing to do with that i I listened to Ben Shapiro recently and he's calling he's calling Joe Biden a houseplant. He said he's he's the thing you stick over the water stand in your carpet to just look pretty, collect a little oxygen, collect a little sunlight and produce a little oxygen for the room. He can't make a complete sentence. His his speech last week, Dr. Fia thought it was I, I guess the sec I thought he thinks he was the Sermon on the Mount part two. It was that good. Uh, I listened to it. It wasn't long because he can't put together enough sentences to make a long speech. It was nonsensical and stupid. I didn't understand everything he said was a lie. And and I learned something. I realized something the other day. There's a difference between Republicans and Democrats, and some of it has to do with policy and some of it has to do with belief. But I think a lot of it has to do with, and this is, I, I put this across the board. I believe Democrats are just better liars. I think there's a lot of Republicans who lie to your face to get what they want. I just think Democrats are much better at it because we've got the empathizer in chief sitting there telling us how much he feels our pain and how we're here to help. And then we get Chuck Schumer well, no, healing the country. See, they're not better at it. Here, here's the well, deal. They are to the people who want to believe it. I don't believe no. them. I think they're lying every time they speak. No, no, I get it. But the thing is, they're not even trying to be better at it anymore. They are openly, brazenly telling you they know that you know that they are lying and they don't care. And why don't they care? This is sort of dovetails with what we'll talk about probably next, which is because they know the media 
is completely and totally on their team and will never report any of this. So that's why Jen Psaki can get up there and spew out. Remember how Dr. Fia was constantly pounding the table about all the lies that spewed forth from Sarah Huckabee Sanders mm -hmm. and anyone else who trotted out in front of the Trump administration mm -hmm. again, as if, as if that was somehow unique and it had never happened <laughs> under any of the prior administrations, yeah. people politically spinning. So listen, I don't have it's not that I have a problem. Politics is a corrupt game. Of course, every administration, whether it's Republican or Democrat, are going to try to control the news cycle. They're not going to always be trustworthy in the way that they frame issues. But now it's just straight up propaganda. And the media refuses, absolutely refuses to report anything that would hinder the narrative and would go against their the resistance, right? It's no longer the resistance. Now, apparently it's the, I don't know, what would you call it? The victors. Yeah. Um, perfect example of this. Okay. I was just reading and you may not remember this. I don't know if you saw this story, but now do you remember the story that was in the run up to the Georgia elections where this was breathlessly reported by every major network that Donald Trump, there was an anonymous individual who had heard Donald Trump yeah. telling the governor of Georgia, or maybe it was the, maybe Secretary it was the state State's. secretary of state that you've got to find a way essentially for us to win in Georgia, right? You've got to go right. find the fraud. Oh, funnily enough, what is it now? Two months later, after the election, turns out that entire story was a lie, oh. a complete fact. And you know how we know it was a lie? Is because they released the audio tape uh, of the interview. And it turns out that the bad orange man didn't say any of those things. But what's most telling about the story is. It was originally reported by, I forget which network, maybe CNN. We then had the dog pile of NBC and ABC all saying, we have independently confirmed this story, which raises the question, well, wait a minute, who did you, who did you confirm this with? Presumably the same individuals that were peddling the lie from the beginning. Yeah. And this is just a drop in the, this Chad, there's a story like this now every day yeah, with the media. There is. We went through, remember, and this is, this is also something that's just no longer mentioned other than by brave people like Matt Taibbi. I don't know how you pronounce his last name. He's actually a, a lefty who hates Trump, but he's been, he's been on this unfailingly Russia. The Russia collusion fable. Remember that, Chad? Yeah. Remember that there was not a single true fact about anything related to that story. And that saturated our media for three years. Mm -hmm. Not Has there been a reckoning, Chad? Nope. Has anyone nope. been fired? Nope. Remember all the nooses tightening? Fired, but not because of that. Walls closing in, right? Yeah. This is the latest bombshell Michael Cohen was in Prague. Carter Page is a Russian asset. Donald Trump is watching a P tape. Every shred of that story, every nanoparticle was false. You would, has anyone mentioned this? Has our good friend, Dr. Fia, Mr. Truth to Power, has he, has he written a single syllable about that disgrace? No. No. No, it's just gone. We're just not supposed to remember that anymore. Oh, well. Uh, so let's get... Before we get into the the I don't care about people act, 
Um, Dr. Fia changed his website. He's now apparently he's going to be a magazine publisher, I guess. Um, he's going to put out more propaganda for whatever he's trying to spew. Uh, it's called Current, but without an E. It looks like Waves. It's it's very modern. Uh, but it this is the part that bothers me. So we shared a, I shared a, a sanctuary with this man. You still do. Apparently, you're going to share it outside after Easter. Uh, but this is their their tagline for the this new magazine: commentary, okay, reflection, okay, judgment. Wait, I missed that last one. You, what was the middle one? Reflection, commentary, reflection, and the third one is judgment. Does that make any sense? you um well i don't know what it means when they say judgment other than they're well, they're reaching- I'm sure it's critiquing of of one side or over the other that would be my guess which, which is fine that's what we do i don't have i don't I have an objection to that i have an objection because he's trying he keeps talking about taking the high road and being the great guy and being the evangelical blah blah blah, blah. This is a this is a commentary show. So commentary can get behind reflection, possibly judgment. I don't know that I'm passing judgment on anybody. Are you passing judgment here? I don't think you oh, are. Well, I try. Look, I well, here's the thing. I, I'm not going to get too worked up about that. I mean, we look, I have very, very um, strong opinions about things. I'm not shy about expressing them. There's people that are going to disagree with me. I try not to probably fail in certain respects, but I try not to pass judgment on individuals um, certainly not individuals that would, let's say, be within my congregation or whatever. Look, national public figures is a little bit different. Okay. So I think it's fair to say that I'm more than happy to critique somebody like Nancy Pelosi or whatever. They're there. First of all, there are elected representatives. I think they're open. They should be open to judgment, sure. whether or not they're being honest, forthright, etc. And I have no problem with someone else doing that and doing it in a way that completely disagrees with me. Again, my biggest opposition or problem with what, and it's not just Dr. Fia, that somebody in his position who is a progressive evangelical, the thing that I will not tolerate and I find um, incredibly disturbing is his willingness to, to draw political litmus tests and say who is and who is not a good Christian based on their political affiliations. And that is what he has done throughout the Trump Mm-hmm. administration. Mm-hmm. I think it's wrong. I think it's something that he would recoil against if it was done to people of his political persuasion by people saying, you support the Democratic Party, you're wicked, your witness is suffering. Okay. We I don't I don't make those kind of arguments. I like to address issues on the substance. Yeah. And I have no problem with reason disagreement about these things. So, for instance, one of the things he wrote the other day was related to the passage of yet another monstrosity, the COVID, the 1.9 million trillion, sorry, 1.9 trillion with a T, not million, not billion, trillion. Yes. So-called COVID relief package. Yes. And what he said about that was, quote, this is the Democrats doing God's work. Now, I'm all for doing God's work. I'm not sure how anybody who could actually inspect the pork and the political payoffs and 
all manner of things that have nothing to do whatsoever with COVID relief, how you could categorize that monstrosity as doing God's work. Now, if you think, for instance, that environmental legislation to ban fracking is doing God's work because we're supposed to steward the environment, and the only way to do that is to ban demon oil, fair enough. But how you could, again, only take a surface look. For instance, this is apparently the analysis. Well, look, it says it's a COVID relief bill. That must be what the $1.9 trillion is all being spent on. Let's not inquire further. And again, I would ask you, is this the MO of Dr. Fia as it relates to anything else that he examines as a historian, right? No, no. We dig into the primary sources. We look, is that what the bill actually is doing? And if anyone takes even a cursory examination of what's packed into this cornucopia of progressive wish lists, most of it has nothing to do with COVID relief. Now, look, I don't think we don't have the money to spend. That's a separate issue. But if you're going to package something as COVID relief, how about just as a minimal threshold, we make it about COVID relief and not 85% boondoggle. This bill pays for a train or an underground monorail or whatever it is near Nancy Pelosi. It pays for a bridge from New York to Canada. It gives hundreds and hundreds of millions to all these different pet causes. Again, that's doing God's work, misrepresenting what it is that you're actually spending taxpayer money on, lying about the fact that you're bailing out multiple blue precincts who have gotten themselves for years into massive unfunded liabilities because they've, of course, overspent. And that's doing God's work. I'm sorry. I respectfully disagree. That's dishonest and that's disgraceful. And if anyone's going to speak truth to power, maybe you should point that out. But that's a task far beyond what Dr. Fia is willing to do because it aligns with his ideological perspective. And that's all that he wants to know about it. So he, he put a post up called no buyer's remorse here. And it talks about Cal Thomas basically saying he was an evangelical Christian who voted for Biden thinking he was going to be different. And I'm not going to read that letter again. It, it, it's been out for a while. Uh, but I want to read Dr. Fia's comments. And I, I think they're very telling to your point. He said, while I do not agree with all of Biden's policies, he is appealing to hope, not darkness. Wait, full stop. Yes. Is there any evidence listed for that statement? Uh, as with Dr. Fia, there never is. Um, yeah, sadly. So I would, for instance, want to know, and so here's the interesting thing that I've noted, and this is, this is, I'm not even going to, I'm going to broaden this critique. He is very, very typical in my view of many progressives who, for whatever reason, and this is just, this is perhaps just a philosophical divide. They focus almost exclusively on what is being said. Yes. So Joe Biden can stride out to a podium and say, um, if he can read the teleprompter for more than 10 seconds, I am here for unity and for hope and for gumdrop swamps and whatever else. And someone like Dr. Fia or all these other progressives are going to say, see, see what he just said now. And by the way, compare that because Donald Trump, what he said 
was mean and dark and divisive. And you know what? Fair enough. Donald Trump said a lot of things like that. But here's where they then stop. What I would then want to ask is, well, do, do the policies, the decisions that are being currently made by the Biden administration match up with the rhetoric of hope and frothy chocolate rivers and rainbowy unicorns. And what you would see if you, if you intend to actually examine it is, oh my, no, they actually don't. In fact, all the talk about moderation, all the talk about this is the most radically left-wing administration we have ever had. That's not an exaggeration. Just look at what they are doing. Now, here's the other thing, hope, right? What was one of the main things that Dr. Fia indicted the Trump administration over relating to the border. Children in cages. Children, children in cages. Families. And that was the epitome of hellish darkness yes. and hateful policies yep. and nationalism and every other pejorative you can think of. Now, again, Joe Biden says, but I'm for hope and I'm for children in California king beds and air-conditioned luxury suites. Now, so there you go, Chad. He's for hope. What are the facts on the ground currently relating to the Biden administration's handling of the border? Children in cages being separated from their families. More, far more children in cages. But they're not calling them. Were, they're right. calling them child something centers. I don't it's know. the south of the border, Waldorf Astoria, whatever it is. Yes. Um, so what I would consider to be someone who is intellectually honest would be able to go beyond the lying sugary cant that is emanating forth from the politician and say, is that actually true? Oh my, it turns out that this policy that again is supposedly hopeful is causing millions of people to place themselves at risk. There's a, actually, I would encourage people and I'm going to remember, I forget there's a place between the border and I'm trying to remember where it is. It's called the Darien gap. Okay. And this is, this is a 40 to 60 mile area that any of these um, migrants, these economic migrants, some of whom are refugees, some of whom are not have to pass through in their attempt to get into the United States. And Michael, Michael Yan, do you know who that is? Yes, I think I do. So, so Michael Yan is a really, really brave guy, and he's one of the last remaining true sort of frontline journalists, and he's gone all over the world. He's been embedded in the Mideast. He goes to conflicts. He goes to uh, natural, you know, natural disasters, and he was reporting on what's going on in the Darien Gap as these people who are usually, they're poor, they have no protection, and he says it is basically a complete envision Mad Max beyond Thunderdome. It is riven with criminal gangs, murderers, you name it. And so you've got people flooding through this area who are being preyed upon by predators. And why is no one like Dr. Fia asking the question, if this is what is being produced by the current administration's policies, which promised essentially show up at Hotel America and you'll be gaining entrance. And what it's doing is actually separating families and enhancing the coyotes and the sex traffickers and everything else that's going on there. Why would anyone support that? Why would anyone be willing to not ask hard questions about what's being produced, but for whatever reason, it's sufficient to listen to barely sentient Joe Biden give a 20-minute soundbite about hope, and then that's all we care about. Well, it is a 60-mile uh, marshland, forest land. You're right. 
Uh, let me go on. He is trying to unify, not divide. Again, word. Again, full stop. What is the evidence for that? None provided, I assume. Why? Well, there's none provided. But I, I would, I would say if you look at it and say that what Biden's sixty-plus executive orders and the bills he signed and that what the government of the Democrats is pushing, and tell me that is unifying, then you do not understand the word unifying. That is not unifying. It is not any way, shape, or form unifying. It is simply. But he said the word unify, Chad. Yeah. So that's all we need to know. He did say the word unify, but it doesn't mean he actually unified. You know? Right. I, I just. Well, why are you why are you being so persnickety? Look, all we need to do is listen to what on. he said. For instance, why would you question Antifa? They say they're anti-fascism, Chad. Right. That's all we need to know about them. Oh, you mean that's them in the street burning, looting, smashing assaulting well that can't be possible because they call themselves anti-fascist that's what they said chad that's all we need to know he leads with compassion and empathy not hate gibberish uh, what is that what again what, please provide examples and link those examples to the actual policies here's another question if we're going to talk about compassion and not hate what would a Christian make of his executive order relating to the trans agenda? The fact that this, this administration is now mandating, mandating that men, biological men who decide that they are women will now be sharing a locker room, sharing a bathroom with your wife or your daughter. And if you have anything negative to say about that, if you question the morality, Dr. Fia is big on morality. If you question the morality of that enforced ideology, that I guess makes you a hater yeah. and it makes them compassionate. So we're, we're now, we're now in Orwell's world, mm -hmm. Chad, that that's where we are, where words actually mean the opposite of what the speaker says. He is thinking about the good of the country, not himself. Think about that for a second. This is a man who, when he left the Senate, was making $175,000 a year. But somehow he's worth millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. Uh, as a public servant, making $175,000 a year, his wife is a public school teacher. I, I know she's a doctor, but it's a school teacher doctor, not a doctor doctor. He's thinking about the good of the country, not himself. His son, Hunter, apparently picked up bags of cash <laughs> wait, all over the minute. world. Chad, I want this, this podcast needs to be taken down. You're not allowed to talk about Hunter. Well, the election's over. He already won, so we can talk about Hunter now. Well, even yeah. so, that, that's, that's a, yes. So to your point, not only is he worth millions and millions, and by the way, this, this goes on on both sides of the sure. aisle, but we're, we're now talking about a claim Right. This is the this is the assertion that Joe Biden is a man who doesn't think about himself. Well, he's been I, I'm going to use the terminology that is favored by the left, except this this time it actually applies. He has been credibly accused <laughs> of participating in his nuclear and extended families. Let's just say lucrative business ties with countries like mm, China, mm -hmm. which Again, I'm reliably informed by all the smartest people 
is probably, well, I shouldn't say that because a lot of the smartest people think China is perfectly groovy uh, since their autocracy allows, you know, we're going to emulate that for a day, right? That's the whole Tom Friedman formulation. But we have reports that Joe Biden is dipping in to his family's illicit, likely illegal business ties with a communist totalitarian regime. Do you think that Donald Trump would have been able to navigate that and have Dr. Fia say he's looking out for the country, not himself? It's an absurd thing to say. And one can only say it. Look, I'm fine if he wants to even say he's bad and Trump is worse. Okay. That's actually a reasonable debate to have. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily agree with that because I tend to focus on policy as well as personal character, but that's something that's within the realm of, okay, that's a good faith discussion. If you're going to hold up Joe Biden, given his 40 years, all the stuff that we know about him, his lechery, the hair sniffing, the plagiarism, the lying, the constant lying, even though I know Donald Trump is the only one that's ever lied and he's lied the most and he's the worstest. And you're going to say this guy stands for hope and he, he doesn't care about himself. You are untethered from reality. Yep. Uh, he goes on to say Biden is performing on the playing field of American democracy. Donald Trump was not. I, I, I don't know what that means. Hmm. So Donald Trump was an autocrat who left the White House voluntarily. But he was not performing on the field of American democracy. Right. Well, so again, um, the tyrant Trump, I think Joe Biden's executive orders in the first week may have, or first two weeks may have outstripped all of them that were signed by uh, Kaiser Trump. Is that, is that within the playing field? What what game are we playing? Chad, is this Quidditch? Uh, Are we playing, uh, are we playing cricket? What, what, whatever playing field it is. Also, as we just described is hr1 is that consistent with the past playing field of american democracy meaning this is a piece of legislation that overturns 200 years of essentially state law governing elections in the swoop of 700 pages of lobbyist drafted you know legislation i would make the argument that that has is completely an outlier to American democracy. But somehow that doesn't even get mentioned because again, all we're talking about is his speech. See, yep. Chad, he doesn't he doesn't send out mean tweets. I don't think Biden could compose his own tweets at this stage if he tried and they wouldn't let him because he'd be talking about pudding. But if he was allowed and he didn't say anything mean, that would mean that he's within the framework of American democracy. Whereas Donald Trump said a lot of nasty things, and he did. And I don't think he should have said a lot of those things, and it's fair to hold him accountable for that. But that statement, that blanket statement based on nothing, that Joe Biden is within American democracy, is is nonsensical. It doesn't even mean anything. This this next one, I'll read the whole thing in total, and then we can comment. I wish the COVID-19 bill included the Hyde Amendment, but I still think that it is a pro-life bill. It helps the poor and suffering. For example, a Columbia University study found the bill will cut child poverty by more than half. It will provide health care to the poor. It will shore up pensions. 
It will help fight this virus and save lives. I am also hoping that the bill will go a long way towards keeping the abortion rate in the United States on a downward trajectory. No buyer's remorse for this evangelical. Ah, excellent. What a string of completely empty platitudes. And, huh, we already talked about the fact that you're relying on a study. Okay, how many trillions, Chad, from, from each administration over the past 50 years have been spent on reducing childhood poverty? I think poverty in general, about $33 trillion. Right, and so here's here's the point. Anybody who is going to say with a straight face after seeing, by the way, has child poverty been eliminated? Uh, No, no. And also it matters how we define child poverty, but we're not going to get into that uh, because a lot of those definitions aren't necessarily what you and I would think of as poverty. But let's just for the sake of argument, assume they actually mean poverty the way most people understand it. Mm -hmm. Given the, the past trillions and trillions that have been spent combating child poverty from the Obama administration and the Bush administration and the Clinton administration and the Carter administration, et cetera, et cetera. And given that those have not actually ever reduced child poverty by any significant amount, if the current numbers are to be believed, why would someone at face value cite a study by, oh, by the way, Columbia, uh, I mean, you might have to consider the source and claim, again, without any further documentation or evidence, hey, guess what? This one, this one's going to cut it by 50%. Trust us. I would want to know, how exactly is that going to happen? What What is the magic child poverty wand that mm-hmm. is part of this bill that's going to do that? Oh, it's just pouring more money into the same buckets that we've poured it in for decades, that's going to this time do the trick. That's an absurd thing to say. Yeah. And oh, it pension relief. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. You know what? Oh, it absolutely does relieve many blue states of their pension problems. Is that part of COVID relief? No. Is that part no. of God's work? Nope. Should those states, is it a good thing that those states who have been poorly governed by People just like Dr. Fia, who share his worldview, are now being bailed out by John Q. Taxpayer, you, me, and everyone else who had nothing to do with that. That's a good thing. That's the moral thing to do, to redistribute your income and my income to the people that have made horrific decisions decade after decade, impoverished themselves, and now guess what? We get to, by coercion, bail them out. This is somehow a good thing. In what moral universe is that something that I should be applauding? Uh, I read that paragraph, and I think either you're you're being intellectually dishonest or you're a fool. You are an outright fool. You have no concept of what you're speaking, and everything you say after that sentence should be disregarded because you have no idea what you're talking about. This is not a pro-life bill. I'm sorry. There, there's nothing pro-life about this bill. It increases funding to par- Planned Parenthood. How is that pro-life? I'm, I, I, missed, I missed how that works. Help the suffering and the poor? Yeah, in words only. It doesn't actually help anything. As you said, it's not going to reduce the childhood poverty. It's not going to reduce poverty at all. It's not going to shore up pensions that shouldn't have been shored up in the first place because they're just going to now mismanage it further. They're going to promise more things to these teachers. Yes, we're, we're incentivizing further Stupidity. mismanagement yeah. and profligacy. That's that's a good public policy. It will help fight this virus and save lives. Not really, because that's already being done. 
Uh, well, again, what is the evidence of that? None. Give me one. None. Give me one fact. One concrete. This is a historian, right? This is a guy that loves facts. What is the factual basis for that claim? What in this bill is going to eliminate COVID? The vaccines are already being rolled out. Yep. What? Tell Nothing. me. Nothing. Did you? And we didn't talk about this, but Biden was supposed to have a hundred. I think did we talk about it last time? Maybe Biden was supposed to have a hundred um, federal vaccination centers by the end of February. That that was his promise. It is right after he got downgraded. Right. He got seven. Well, seven. It was aspirational, Chad, and he's a man of hope. So oh, he's I, just. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad. And you know what? Apple. I'm sure that there's some reason that Donald Trump has prevented that. Well, uh, so he's blaming Donald Trump. It's all Donald Trump's fault. Every and here's what you heard from Obama in basically from 2009 through 2016, late 16. It was all George Bush's fault. Everything, every problem he encountered that he overcame was George Bush's fault. At no, no point was he ever responsible for anything. You're going to hear the same thing for the next four years, how everything had to be undone. We had to fix all of what Donald Trump did. And you're going to have the mouthpiece and Donald and John Fia telling you how wonderful Dr. or how wonderful um, yeah, Dr. Biden, uh, Joe Biden is to to do all these wonderful, amazing things. If you if you think back to well, here, let me let me just make clear, because I think we both agree with this. He is entitled Sure. To, to believe what he wants. And we we have stark differences of opinion on political issues, on ideological issues and on theological issues. So but he is perfectly entitled to have his worldview. There are many people that share it. And that's fine. you and I we you and I, it's absolutely fine. And we can have, uh, you know, a a vehement but respectful, meaning we're not going to engage in ad hominem attacks. No. Uh, disagreement. But here's again, the thing is that he is posturing this. And this is where I simply draw the line as, and people that disagree with me, I'm entitled to question their Christian faith. Yeah. And I'm entitled to claim that their witness is suffering. And I'm entitled to claim that they're a bunch of anti-intellectual rubes and zombies and bigots because they supported a guy that I despise. And now they won't get behind a guy that I have a slobbering love affair with based on really no facts whatsoever, no examination of his policies and even the way that he phrases things. So he says, you know, I really wish that, um, you know, Biden would revisit the Hyde Amendment. Um, <laughs> is that how he talked? Is that how he talked about mm. Donald Trump? Nope. No, no. They're all of the outrage. It's gone. All of the speaking truth to power. It's gone. It's well. Yeah, that's kind of unfortunate that the current president, who I vocally support, happens to be uh, in charge of a party that is the most radically pro-abortion party. Pro-abortion. I'm saying that advisedly. It's exactly what they are. Right. In the history of the country, and somehow as a Christian, I can't really muster any moral outrage about that, but I'm really, really upset about Donald Trump's tweeting and the fact that there's children in cages. The, the lack of intensity and passion behind any of the moral issues relating to the Biden administration is is very very telling to me. Well, it should be telling and I think that's the 
That's the point I'm making. I, he, he's entitled to his opinion. But when he portrays it as fact, that's where I have a problem because his facts are not accurate or there's no basis for that fact. He cites a study from a group that is very biased in what they do. And we talked about this when we talked about the abortion study. You can have an opinion about that, but studies are just that. They're, they're opinions. They're not really as rigorous as you think they are. Certainly not retrospective. Well, at a minimum, facts. examine the study. Yeah, look at the source and look at all what you talk. What the, what are the questions? What were they looking at? All that all that aside, he his posts, and I've seen other people do the same thing. The, the never Trumpers, the the evangelicals for Biden. It's all it all feels like a propaganda campaign to convince people that what you're seeing is good and what you saw before was evil and i don't think anybody is well outside of certain you know hitler mao stalin is is truly evil in the sense that you really want to describe it and nobody is truly good in that same vein but i, I just keep hearing how to your point there doesn't seem to be any intellectual curiosity over anything joe biden is putting out or kamala harris or the Chuck Schumer. Have you have you checked the uh, Washington Post presidential lie tracker lately, Chad? No, it doesn't. Don't talk oh, about it. oh, wait, that's that doesn't exist anymore. That that's only for the bad president. Well, and that's that's the point. If you're gonna if you're gonna throw in the Washington Post and New York Times, just be honest about it. I I, I am a Democrat organ of of propaganda, and and, and there's there's plenty of GOP organs of propaganda absolutely. Don't get me wrong. absolutely but don't don't couch it behind evangelical that what he's presenting has nothing to do with the evangelical movement has nothing to do with his christian faith i mean he well no way. i mean in fairness in fairness he has he considers himself a progressive evangelical even though i think he then sometimes tries to walk that back and sure. and claims hilariously that he's not a progressive okay except that you align with every single policy platform other than abortion and likely some some reservations about the LGBT agenda, even though he almost never writes about that because right. it's just too awkward for him, given the fellow travelers that he has cultivated. But nevertheless, um, it's not it's not the issue again is you're entitled to have a different theology. OK, sure. uh, we've talked about this before, and it's not even about a different theology. It's the. It's a difference between an evaluation by someone like Wayne Grudem and someone like John Piper. And we've talked about this where they, these are two godly men, two very, very knowledgeable mm -hmm. men. I mean, good grief. Wayne Grudem has written an entire treatise on, you know, systematic theology. John Piper is really kind of an icon in terms of his wisdom drawn from the Bible. Um, and they have a fundamental disagreement. They've done it respectfully. So I don't even have a problem with someone taking different positions. It's the constant demeaning and attacking other Christians within not only his local church body, but the church at large, because they don't agree with his political prescriptions. And that for a guy that likes to talk about compassion all the time and love and witness is an incredibly divisive and unfair thing to do. But I actually think that he's now in a mode where this is just, this is just how he rolls and it's gotten him a lot of attention. 
it's kind of made him sort of a go-to guy in certain circles, circles, by the way, that have no respect generally for anything about the Christian faith. And if I was him, I'd be questioning, huh, is there something problematic about the fact that my opinions seem to dovetail perfectly with secular groups that are completely at odds with the Christian faith. That might cause me to have a few questions about, hmm, what exactly is going on here? So I want to be clear. This isn't about he's not entitled to think these things. Um, He would say the exact same thing about us. And so would uh, many of the other, they would say, these guys are reactionaries. These guys are Trump water carriers. These guys have misconstrued the gospel, whatever. Okay, whatever whatever they're going to say is fine. Stop attacking other Christians in terms of their faith because they don't agree with you about Donald Trump. That's all I have to say. Just fair. stop. That's fair. And I think I think he is appealing to his audience and, and the environment in which he finds himself, which is a college campus. I think he is definitely he, he's he writes to be a provo- provocateur for whatever his beliefs are. Uh, and he really, it's like you're, I feel like he's the heckler in a, in a comedy routine. He, he's out there from the sidelines, just, you know, yeah, getting everybody. He loves it when people are on his side and they support him as evidenced by the fact that he shut down comments about a year ago. He no longer takes any comments. So he doesn't really want feedback. He just wants accolades. And that, that's a problem for me because you're not really, you're, you're speaking into an echo chamber. And some people might say we're doing the same thing. But I actually go out and well, read these. I mean, and I talk to. People. I would, I would look. I would relish um, because again, you know, we joke about the fact that my wife is always like, "You never disagree. That's false advertising." Two friends who agree to disagree, but you never disagree, um, except about the Steelers and uh, you know various restaurant <laughs> issues that you have. But I would welcome. I, I sort of, I welcome kind of pushback on all of these things and. I think one of the things that has actually become incumbent for people who are, let's just say, conservative politically is, for me, I actually read more about the positions of the opposition mm-hmm. than I do about kind of, you know, just the the Kool-Aid, right? I'm not, in, I'm not interested in receiving Kool-Aid. I, I don't watch Fox News. Uh, most, I, most of what I read, because I'm interested in seeing are the people that are running the New York Times or the Washington Post, are they going to actually factually report things fairly? No. And the answer is always no, not close. It's disinformation. It's propaganda. So I'm entirely conversant with all, if we want to, maybe we'll do this one time. We'll, we'll have a, um, we'll have a twilight zone program where we will present all of the best arguments, which I can probably make them better than most of the people (laughs) who are out there extolling the virtues of the progressive agenda. See, but here's the thing. What I've noticed is there are very few people when you flip that around who are on that side of it, who can actually frame legitimate conservative viewpoints about any of these issues. It's always a caricature. It's always, it's because they're mouth breathing racists because they're evangelical uh, court. What is it? They're evangelicals. It's because they're working from a playbook. There can't possibly be a principled objection to any of this, right? Right. It's all very um, simplistic. 
and intentionally reductionist in a way that is just meant to dismiss and not engage. So I would love it. Like, for instance, I'll throw this out as a challenge. Mm -hmm. If anyone wants to describe a reason why most of the things that we have listed about HR1 are actually justifiable and will do all of the the lovely uh, generalizations that have been promised that actually don't undermine ballot security, let's hear it. Let's hear your best case other than, well, this is what it says on the White House website, so it must be groovy. So tell me why it's okay to prevent checking for any level of ballot integrity. Why is that good? I, I, I don't, Let's put this out there. 717-739-5432. 717-739-5432. I will say this. I think in a vacuum... HR one, or there's a there's a bill going through the Georgia uh, uh, congressional districts right now, similar to or actually opposite of HR one. I think if you look at those those words in a vacuum and don't really dig into them, what they truly mean, I think you can see it as a positive. I think you can see the the COVID relief bill as a positive if you if you just read the words but you don't yes. actually look at what they mean and what the implications are as basically a well not even the impl- wait a minute right. yes the implications but not even the implications the actual explicit words that are written not the title right yes not the heading what is it actually going to do well i think when you look at those things so if i read hr1 and i see uh it's going to allow people to vote it's going gonna, it's gonna to make it easier for people to vote by mail. If I'm naive and I said to go, well, that's good. More people are going to be able to vote. I don't well, think that see, I which would, they're going to fraudulently vote. See, here's the first question that they don't ask, because my question would be, is it automatically good that more people are going to vote well, by mail? I agree with that. And I, that, that question well, isn't even asked, well, right? That, that's completely glossed over that of course this is good wait a minute i'm gonna need to be convinced that more people voting by mail is good well and i think when we talk about that it's because one side believes if more people vote and the vast electorate is wholly uninformed about any issue whatsoever except what they've seen on the on the news or in twitter that's what they think the issue is so if it's framed correctly by our media overlords You'll suddenly vote the way we want you to vote, and you'll always vote that way because you're never actually going to dig into it. Politics annoys people. They either get angry about it because they don't understand it, or they feel annoyed because it didn't go their way, or any number of reasons. They just don't want to talk about politics. It, it bothers them. So when somebody comes along and says, well, this is what I think. Well, okay, that sounds good. It sounds like it sounds like a legitimate help for people. We're not keeping kids in cages on the southern border. We're helping them get into the country. We're helping them get reestablished in a safer place because they're just poor. You're just helping right. the poor of the world. Which, what's what is the difference between your policy and the prior administration's policy? Well, we don't call we're good. Pages. We're good, and they're bad. Yeah. And I will further direct you to uh, the head of uh, I don't know some alphabet soup agency that will know the answer to that. So, yeah, it's it, one other thing before we go. I, I wanted to I wanted to very briefly touch on, and we can sort of maybe flesh this out next time. Did you see the story about the full court press by the Pentagon against enemy of the people, Tucker Carlson? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. And so we don't, I don't think we have enough time tonight to no. touch on it, but, but here's the sort of the preview is Tucker Carlson had the audacity 
to question uh, some of the comments made by President Biden relating to, let's just say, the again, the wokening, uh, the ongoing wokening of our armed forces and the fact that we are now going to have what he called maternity flight suits and all manner of other other very enlightened ideas infiltrating uh, the highest levels of our military. And Tucker Carlson had the temerity to say, again, explicitly saying, I'm all for women in the military if if they're just as good. In fact, what he said was, if we have data that suggests that pregnant women are the best fighter pilots in the world, I want an entire air force of pregnant women up there. And you know what? I absolutely agree with that. Sure. Because for me, the military, which unfortunately has been infected, just like every other institution at its highest levels, with all of these latest left-wing fads, um, the military, when you start messing with the military in terms of being a meritocracy, mm -hmm. in terms of assuring that the only thing that matters is that the very best people are in the positions that they need to be to carry out the military's function, which is to defend this country and wage war against our enemies. That's what the military does. It is not it is not an organization where there should be social engineering that doesn't belong. And yet, of course, that's not permitted. So here's what's very, very troubling. The military is supposed to be apolitical, not political at all. They simply don't weigh in. And so the fact that they have got guys that are 28 year Marines, decorated officers attacking a talk show host because he dared to question the new woke gospels is really, really bad. Yes. It's bad for a number of reasons. The main reason being why is the military even weighing in on this in its official capacity? Did they ever did they ever weigh in on any of the other slanders that were lodged at them by the left about being baby killers and imperialists and war for oil and all right? Did you hear from anybody? Did you hear from a multi-star general during the war for oil stuff about you know what? We're actually not taking anyone's oil. That's ridiculous. No, because the military doesn't do that. The military is above the political fray. They are there to defend the country. And the fact that we now have a military officer corps that was seated by Barack Obama, all of the holdouts, right? Mm -hmm. The antediluvian guys who had no time for all of this social experimentation, they were driven out. And now you've got people that are primarily concerned with, well, how dare Tucker Carlson say anything bad about women? And he didn't actually say anything bad about women. What he was questioning is the military's commitment to its core mission instead of this nonsense. But that's apparently not allowed. Well, I've been, I haven't sat in, but I've looked inside a cockpit of a fighter jet. Um, you're not getting a pregnant woman in there. I'm sorry that there's not enough room. They'd have to redesign the planes to accommodate that. And that might take millions and billions of dollars to happen. Uh, but if you're right, if, if pregnant women make the best fighter pilots, by all means, put pregnant women in Absolutely. fighter jets. I question whether or not that's possible. Your wife has been pregnant. My wife was pregnant. They didn't seem on the top of their game while pregnant. So it seems unlikely that it's possible, but what do I know? I don't Here's know. the thing. The same standards for everybody. Yes. There are women that are, 
that are true warriors that should be out there doing what they do. And all, and actually, if you talk to any of them who have managed to, to become Marines, what they would probably say most of them to a woman is I don't want some watered down standard for me. So if they can fulfill every one of the incredibly difficult standards by which we separate out the people that are going to risk their lives to defend this country, they should be out there. I don't care who it is, but no tolerance whatsoever for, well, there's a different set of standards here and we've got to kind of change the program because you know what? Now we're not just talking about economic policy. We're talking about getting people killed. I have two boys. If they ever want to serve in the military, I would be proud for them to do that. Uh, But I need to be convinced that the policymakers are not going to sacrifice them on the altar of some politically correct ideology that, that increases their chances of being killed because we're more interested in placating a bunch of left-wing ideologues than we are in ensuring that these men and women are properly trained and equipped to carry out their sacred mission, which is to risk their lives defending this country. And so I don't want to hear any of this nonsense permeating the military, which it is about, well, what we really need to focus on is making sure we're more diverse. You know what? (laughs) I couldn't give a rip about being more diverse. If you can cut it and you want to be in our armed services, more power to you. We will thank you for your service. It's an incredible sacrifice and an incredible honor, but this completely ridiculous bean counting by pigment and gender. If it's going to infect the military, we are done. We are absolutely done. Have you seen the show for all mankind or heard about it? Yes. You've seen it. You've heard about it. I have not seen it. I have heard about it. So for our listeners, it's an Apple plus show. Um, They've got two seasons out now. I've started watching the first season. I haven't finished it, Uh, but it basically looks at what would have happened how, how would our world have diverged from the world in which we are now uh, if the Russians had beat us to the moon in 1969? And in in the in the show, the Russians beat us by about a month. And there's a, we didn't go to the moon, Chad. Right? It was on a sound stage. Sure, in Area 50. Sure, if you assume that. Uh, <laughs> but from a political standpoint, Nixon's still president at this time. He doesn't win a second term. There is no Watergate. Uh, but basically, he. He wants women in the military. He wants females, or not sorry, military. He wants female astronauts. And there was a program with the Mercury Seven uh, that didn't go anywhere. They didn't actually get through. And I remember one of the lines from uh, Deke Slayton, who was, if you look back on uh, from the Earth to the Moon, the, the Ron Howard series. He's the guy who was an astronaut, had uh, atrial fibrillation, and was grounded because of it. But he was in charge of astronaut selection for um all the all the apollo missions and he said they came to him and they said well, we, we need to get women through i don't care how you can't cut them you, you gotta keep because i'm not gonna dumb it down i'm not gonna reduce it because up there in space yep. you have to be able to perform at the exact same level of everybody else and if you can't you can't be in the space shuttle or space space capsule you can't be up there because i can't Say, well, you're a liability and somebody else has to pick up your slack. There is no Well, not only that, you're risking your own life right. and you're risking the life of everyone that's on your team. Exactly. So that that's what I think about. If if you can do it as well, and in the in the show, they do, but if you can do it as well as the man, fine. If you can't, you shouldn't be here. And I I think there are women out there 
who could be amazing fighter pilots. Yeah, they're they're likely some that are better. Probably, I, I don't discount that at all. And I'm not saying it's like sports where it's, it's like the men are so much better physically at sports. I think you could handle the the task and the psychological process to go through. And as long yeah, as yeah, there's the there's many I, there's many women, for instance, that um in general, like on shooting drills, women tend to be sometimes actually better marksmen. Yeah naturally that's that's not again it's a that's a generalization but so i don't discount any of that and my attitude would be again if you can find 10 eskimos who are the greatest fighter pilots in the world put them there i don't care who it is i don't care whether it's african-american white latino green whatever just it's pure either you can cut it or you can't and if you can't there's no, there's no shame in that either. A lot of people can't. Uh, that's reality. Right. You have to be a certain height, certain size. Certain the military limits it, the people that can apply. I couldn't have applied to the military. I, I have some physical issues when I was younger. Like if I had actually wanted to serve, and I had thought about it when I was younger, I would, I would have been denied mm-hmm. because I simply would not have passed the physical profile relating to some of my arthritis and stuff that I had from a very young age. Just not going to work. No. Is that unfair? Of course not. No, it never is. I, I, I will say this though about female fighter pilots. If we can't use you in combat, you're not in the, you're not in the jet. I'm sorry. If, if we well, sure. train a group of women who are never going to go into combat because we're afraid to send women into combat, why are we train? Well, I mean, I, let's put it this way. I'm not sure I know enough. For instance, there may be a role for certain test pilots. I don't know. I don't know enough about that area of it where you could say, we need a group of really, really talented flyers. They're not going to be in combat, but they're testing all of our new equipment and they're just as good, if not better. And so we're relying on them for data and research and development. If that exists and that's sort of a, a silo that you could sure. put people in fine, yeah. but we don't create, we don't make artificial new jobs for people, for them to fill either. It's a legitimate role and they can fill it or they can't. That's it. Do you believe in women um, on a sub? Um, I, I can't think of any reason why they necessarily shouldn't be other than we get into all of these issues. Look, I have a problem and I've read enough about this women in, let's just say, um, a platoon. Okay. It changes the dynamic and and people are like, that's ridiculous. It's not ridiculous. Okay. If you've read, and I know you have Chad, you've read more than I have, but I've read a lot, anything related to military history, the notion of men bonding mm-hmm. their their behavior is going to change when you have a woman in that environment and it's also going to change and their decisions when women are captured mm-hmm. because that is also something that men will instinctively change their behavior if they're threatening to torture and rape and kill a woman as opposed to a man. It's not that they're not going to try to save the man, but there is a completely different psychological effect when that is going on. I question, and many people who have actually been warriors for this country question whether that dynamic works in the middle of combat. I I think it introduces an element that we just don't know enough about and is it and maybe some people decide at some point we're going to do this and stereotypically we'll get over whatever it is that causes us to think that way but i think 
back to your original point, it puts people's lives at risk. And is that when you're sending, I'm sending your two sons into in a squad and I'm going to make them guinea pigs to find out if it's okay. Yeah. I don't know Again, I just to be clear, I'm not, I'm not calling. All I'm saying is I don't care who's in there. Sure. They simply need to be able to do the job. There cannot be artificially lowered standards ever. There cannot be pretend roles that we invented because people can't measure up to other standards. And if we're not absolutely convinced that you can do the job under fire for your own safety, for your own life, and for those around you, woman, man, anything else, you can't serve. It's that simple. Yeah. I think you're being, but that's not what's going on. That's not what's going on. I think you're being clear. Even if it's a, the standard is the standard. Whoever applies must meet that standard, man or woman. So if we had a culture of Amazon women who are all physically more powerful and more ferocious than the men, we would have an entirely female army and I would have no problem with it whatsoever. No, Yeah. I I think that's what, what I see in society is the standards seem to be changed. Like, like the kid in Baltimore who's failing, he's got a 0.13 grade point average, and he's in the middle of his class, and he has passed three classes in four years. He thought he was going to yes. graduate, and he's going to go back to ninth grade, and he's still better than half of the class. That means they're less than 0.13 grade point average. That's insane, but we've lowered standards to accommodate bad outcomes, and we just keep lowering the standards to do that. That shouldn't be happening. I think that's the moral of all this, whether it's the military, schools, public life. The standard- why is he going? Why is he actually going back? Why isn't he just out of school? Uh, well, he's 18. and he's 18. Yeah. Why would you be thrusting an 18-year-old back among freshmen in high school who has, de- who has demonstrated clearly, clearly no interest? Now, look, he may be in a failing, this is Baltimore, failing yeah. drug-ridden school. I get it. If you're, if you're, First of all, he should have never reached his senior year. Correct. If he did... And he's got a 0.13 after four years. You're you're done. Yeah. You're not you're not coming back to this school. No. That's it. You, do. you don't have you don't have a degree. You don't have a diploma. Yeah. Go go seek life elsewhere. Good luck. Well, I think I his mean, mother's throwing a fit and she's threatened to sue the district. Which. Well, I wouldn't have a problem. I wouldn't have a problem with her suing the district. Although you also can't tell me that any semi-involved parent believed that her son was actually kind of on his way to being a academic scholar. And it turns out he actually has a 0.13 because if you've got a 0.13 after four years, you never, she would have never seen him with a book in her life. Well, she's right. So failed Spanish one and they promoted him to Spanish too. So she thought, right. He must've done. Okay. I'm like, Right. But again, you know how we both know how parenting works, Chad, right? No matter how busy you are, no matter how disconnected, you're going to eventually, even if only by osmosis, figure out, you know what? I have actually never seen Tommy studying ever. And maybe I should follow up with the teacher just to see how he's doing, because they do give hopefully report cards. I don't know. Maybe the school doesn't even give report cards. I think they probably do. Hey, can I see your report card, Tommy? So I'm sure that school is a complete disaster zone. The, the mother is right to be upset that she had to have children that are in a school that's that horrific. But I'm also not willing to completely say, 
oh, well, she was just blindsided by this. Now, <laughs> you kind of knew, and if you didn't know, then that's your fault as a parent. Yeah. I'm sorry. You weren't paying attention. I think that's what it comes down to. You weren't paying this attention. isn't like, I thought my son was getting A's and he's actually a C student. No, 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 no. This is, I thought my son was ready to graduate and do well, and he's only passed like one class in four years. Yeah, it's insane. Nah. It's insane. I think we've gone really long tonight. You have anything else to add? No, but I think we were a little fired up tonight. Yeah, we so. were. Uh, thank you for joining us. I'm Chad. I'm Tony. Good night. This has been a Hannah Tree production.